Welcome to With That Being Said, a podcast on life, love, and everything in between. I'm so glad you've decided to join the conversation. Hi, I'm Esther Boykin. I'm Erica Turner. And with that being said, let's get hitched. (laughs) I am thrilled today's guest who I've known for several years. Um, I, I'm just going to say he is the Hugh Hefner of marriage. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Yes. So Being sexy back to marriage. <laughs> I like that. He totally is. He really, really is. So without, um, we're just going to leave it at that and like jump in. Let's get, let's start talking. Yeah. So today's guest is Steve Cooper. From HitchedMag.com, I'm so excited to have him on. We've actually sort of known each other, virtually known each other for several years. I'm a big fan of HitchedMag.com, and so thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So I'm really, uh, I actually want to sort of start at the beginning, even though we've known each other and, you know, I've written at HitchedMag and I definitely read it all the time. Um I don't know a lot about sort of the history, like what prompted you to start um, the site and, you know, sort of what's the evolution been like? Because I think for people who are not familiar with it, kind of giving that background so that they know what Hitched Mag is all about. Sure. It'd be my pleasure. Um, so I guess if I want to start from the very beginning, um, I so I grew up in a what I would consider a pretty stable family. Uh, Both parents, both working parents stayed together. Nobody divorced. I grew up in a neighborhood where all my friends' parents were together. And, you know, you grew up hearing the 50% divorce statistic, which I always like to point out is a very old number. Um, And so long story short, I went to college and found myself surrounded by pretty much it seemed like everybody I bumped into came from a divorced background. And at the time I was going through a journalism program and I just started thinking about journalism in general and how if you were a car enthusiast or a dog enthusiast or whatever it was, there were resources available to you to stay up on the latest information. Uh, But when it came to marriage, there, there wasn't that. It did not exist. Uh, You could find information on how to plan the perfect wedding, uh, tons of wedding magazines, obviously, how to find the perfect man or woman. But there wasn't a resource on essentially how to stay happily married. That happily ever after part was just completely glossed over. Um, Of course, there are tons of books. Uh, There's also therapy, as you well know. (laughs) But the, the, the ongoing day in, day out, the, the minutia of relationships was just missed. And of course, there were columns and newspapers and magazines and things that would talk about marriage issues, but nothing dedicated solely to it, um, and particularly something that was uh, non-denominational. We do not have a religious slant. Um, uh, so there are obviously uh, religious uh, resources out there, but we try to uh, provide information for everyone. So, um, basically I I saw the opportunity, um, and family is something that's close to me. And the more I started getting into it, the more I started finding my calling. And so I actually started working on the concept for Hitched back in college. Um, then I went, started working at a, uh, some other publications, 
uh, I started working at um, some business publications. And while I was there, I started working on Hitched in the background, started doing some freelance work, continued to work on Hitched. And eventually we launched the website. Um, originally, uh, we were going to do a print magazine. Uh, and this was in the early 2000s. And and decided that the web was the way to go. And so we launched it and then the web crash happened. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we have kind of weathered that storm, obviously. Decided that the print magazine was just something that we were not going to do. Um, and we've been basically working on the website presence ever since and working to expand it into different things. Um, and so, yeah, and so people like you have contributed to the site. And... Um, I like to say that I'm not, I mean, I, I am not a marriage therapist, obviously. Uh, I'm more of what I would consider like a marriage advocate um, or a champion of marriage. Uh, and uh, as, in terms of my journalistic beat, I would say that marriage is my beat as a journalist. You know, there's tech journalists and other things. I'm, I'm a marriage journalist, I guess. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. awesome. I also like the term marriage advocate because, you know, I think marriage always does better with people sort of promoting its, you know, benefits um, and having a more positive view of it in the culture. So, yeah, I think that's, it's really important. Uh, I mean, clearly as therapists, we've got a certain bias, especially as marriage and family therapists. Right. Yes. <laughs> it's sort of, uh, we, we share that passion, but, um, but I do, I like that, that idea of having sort of a place that is both a resource because you're right. There's tons of stuff about having the perfect wedding. Right. There is very little about having, I'm not going to say the perfect marriage because that's not real, but a good marriage, an ideal marriage, uh, you know, working through and in some ways it feels like the evolution of hitched and sort of weathering some storms and all that kind of like, that's what marriage is like. There's ups and downs and um, you definitely need an advocate, a, a champion for why you should stick through some of those yeah. storms. Yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing because, like I said in the beginning, uh, there wasn't anything like it. And even today, I would argue that there's still, we are kind of a one of a kind. There are uh, lots of websites, obviously, that have a uh, single individual who provide information. But I can't, and I keep a close eye on this, there's nobody who focuses exclusively on marriage with the amount of outside contributors and the amount of information that we provide. I, I still believe that we are the only ones that do that. And it was funny because when I first started putting the concept together and doing my business plan and all that other stuff, I met with the, um, some investors and one of them told me he wasn't sure that there was a market for it. And I had just come back from a bookstore. Uh, and again, this was like late nineties, early 2000. And I saw on the bookshelf a magazine, Fashion for Dogs. <laughs> and I was like, you're telling me that there is a market for fashion for dogs, but there's not a market for people seeking marriage information? You are out of your mind. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> well, I love the way that, you know, I think one of the things as you were kind of talking about it that's so remarkable about your site is how you pull together so many different experts, you know, not just people sort of claiming to know things about marriage or not just people speaking from their own experience, but, you know, people who are experts in the field who are um, therapists, psychologists, um, and other experts together as well um, to give people sort of real sort of, you know, research-based and 
um, frontline sort of information about marriage. Um, so it's, you know, it's just an amazing resource. I've just been really impressed by that looking through your site. Um, Thank you. I, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. That was actually a very conscious decision from the very beginning um, because you're right. There are tons of websites out there that, uh, okay, I will give you a pet peeve of mine. One of the biggest pet peeves that I have, and I know there is knowledge to be gained through experience. I, I acknowledge that up front. But one of the things that I hate most is how there are so many gurus out there who want to tell you how to do something because they were so terrible at it. <laughs> so I'm on my third marriage and let me tell you what not to do. Like, I, I don't want to listen to that. Per- I want to listen to the person who did it right the whole time. Like when there's no drama, it, it doesn't make it very exciting. There's not a lot of gossip around it. Um, and I think sometimes people feel uncomfortable with, with that kind of happiness because they don't know how, like, they don't even know what it looks like sometimes. Because so much of the time, what is promoted is um, the dysfunction of family and marriage. And I guess one of the things that I really try to do is change the conversation um, that surrounds marriage. And I, it, you know, people like when people talk about uh, how my, you know, oh, I got to you know, answer to the ball and chain and, and they use these derogatory terms and and phrases about their relationship. Uh, when I hear this, I, I stop people and say, uh, you know, or I just throw in my two cents. Like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I don't, I'm looking forward to going home and seeing my wife, you know? So (laughs) I think people, anyways, so that I just have a really hard time (laughs) getting information to bring this back to your original point. I have a hard time um, following information from people who are just throwing out uneducated opinions. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not to say that they're always wrong. um, But that was a very conscious decision from the very beginning on Hitched to make sure that everybody who contributes is, is qualified. And we vet every single person who has contributed or posted something on the site. It is not an open platform. People cannot just go and post their thing. Um, and so, yeah, I take pride in that because I think that is probably the biggest thing that separates us from anybody else who even comes close to doing what we do is that we really wanted to be a very reputable resource that people can count on and trust the information that we offer. Yeah, I think you've done a really great job with that. Um, And I also wanted to touch on something you said. It reminds me, I was listening to a podcast, one of your podcasts, where you had talked about sort of um, rebutting an article. I think it was called Five Reasons Why Marriage Doesn't Work for Millennials or something like that. It was a Yeah. <laughs> I think it was yeah. a HuffPost piece. And yes. I just wanted to kind of talk with you a little bit about that. And because um, it, it was your passion was very clear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I very, by the way, I very rarely get on my soapbox on my podcast and just rail against something. But that was a very unique situation where I just I couldn't take it anymore because it, it was one of those stories that went viral. And I was like, oh, it drives me crazy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it just, um, yeah, and I, I, I read that article after it. I found that podcast, and I was a little sort of taken aback by the comments, by the sort of assertions made in there. Um, I think there was a focus on, and correct me if I'm wrong, but just like that marriage doesn't work for a modern generation, 
um, because I don't know, people can't be committed anymore, or I don't know. The article was so ridiculous, I had trouble. It was something like that, something like that. Yeah, and it, you know, a fun little stat is that divorce, and you guys probably know this, but divorce has been dropping. I think it peaked in like 1978, 1979. Yeah, exactly. And it has been falling ever since. And I think one of the things that I mentioned is we have to acknowledge that life stages have changed. And so uh, it used to be that you would graduate high school, get married when you're like 18, 19, 20. And, you know, you may or may not have went to college. It's more likely that you probably didn't. Uh, Now people graduate high school, go to college, start a career, and then get married. And by the way, we also live like 20 years longer than we used to. And so everything is happening later and people are having kids later and blah, blah, blah. And so you, I I see these reports in the news all the time, like, well, the younger generation isn't getting married. No, just give them some time. They're just doing it at a different stage of life than you used to. You were married when you were 19 years old and had a kid when you were 22. Today's couples aren't even getting married until the average age of like 27 and 29, having kids in their 30s. So uh, when people throw this stuff out there, I'm just like, uh, just take a step back and look at history and look at what's going on in the world and the economics of things and everything else. And yeah, so that was kind of, <laughs> I think, what I really And I totally consider. agree with you on that. And, I, you know, there's been some other really interesting, just some other interesting stats that I think you're right. We miss the broader picture. You know, there's, there's a really interesting article recently that's been sort of floating around lots of places about, you know, just even things like the difference in number of sex partners and how, you know, younger generation, there is a difference in sort of the process to picking partners. And I think there is this... We're, waiting until you're further along in certain life stages that, um, and some different ideas about, you know, how important commitment is and, um, all of those kinds of things. So, but I really, I wanted to sort of come back to just that piece around changing the conversation because I, and I want to get your take on it because it seems to me like there's almost, we've almost moved to this place where there's almost like this shame about admitting that you are happily married or that if it's struggling that you actually really want to work through those issues and stay together versus moving on. I think um, Esther Perel um, Mm -hmm. recently just had, you know, I saw a quote from her where she was saying that, you know, some of the shame around things like infidelity has really moved from the shame of being cheated on to the shame of deciding to stay. Right. And, Mm -hmm. And how just sort of we shifted to this place of not really talking the way that you really do, uh, you know, with Hitched Mag and just even in, I know in your personal life, you know, being really passionate about marriage is valuable. Relationships are valuable. Yeah. I, um, again, I, I feel like the, it's not that those statements are false that Esther Perel would make. Um, but I would also say that, you know, that's representative of what and who and how many, mm-hmm. uh, um, and because, you know, I don't feel that way. And I know I know people who um, have worked through that sort of stuff and there is no shame there. Um, and so I I don't know. I think, you know, it's funny. I was just watching um, The Big Bang Theory on TV a couple nights ago and they in the in the episode, the one of the main characters, they just got married and we're already having problems. And another couple was like, oh yeah, we go to therapy all the time. 
and there was no shame in it at all. And this is like one of the biggest comedies on TV. Um, and it was just a matter of fact statement of like, yeah, of course we go to therapy. Why wouldn't we? We, and I think this gets back to what I constantly preach is, and, and a lot of people preach this is just prioritizing your marriage, prioritizing your relationship. And when you do that, I think it eliminates the, the stigma that may surround it. And, um, I think that does help the conversation because one of the interesting things that I have found, particularly since I have been doing Hitched, is how people do have so – there is some some taboo to talking about your marriage, and which I think is very interesting because people don't have the same reservations when discussing parenting or kids. And so when you, when you have a child, people will – go to a thousand resources and talk to all their friends and their other parents about, uh, you know, my kid is acting up and they're doing this and I don't know how to get them to bed and blah, blah, blah. And they will go on and on and on and give all the details. But very few people will have those same conversations that they're having troubles with their spouse. Mm -hmm. And I just find it interesting that we're supposed to have this understanding, this, this knowledge about, how to live with somebody over decades as life throws curveballs at us. Um, but, you know, having a child, like, well, of course, like, why would you know how to be a parent? Like that, you know, you got, you're, that's a learning process. But being married is somehow supposed to innately be within us um, without any kind of acceptance. Um, I think one of the examples that I give on my, I have given on my podcast is uh, running. So pretty much everybody knows how to run. Um, you can tell a kid right now to go outside and run for you and they will run. But if you want to be the best at something, if you want to be the best runner in the world, you get coaches. You get people to teach you how to pump your arms and how to breathe and how to lift your knees. Um, and I, I feel like the same thing can apply to marriage. Like, yeah, you can be married. Um, but if you want to be the best at it, you need to stay on top of it. You need to understand how to communicate properly. You need to understand what's going on with your spouse. You need to learn skills surrounding empathy and all, all you know, there are all sorts of things. Um, and we don't think of it that way. And I guess that's really what I'm trying to get to with Hitched is being that source where people, there's nothing wrong. I mean, you can run right now, but if you want to be, if you want to do it better, if you want to be more efficient, um, if you want to make that exercise easy, there are things you can do. And, um, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be good at your marriage. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of people don't think about that I try to bring into the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm wondering, you know, as we're sort of talking and thinking about some of the, you know, the difficulty in finding good resources for marriage, but right, there's all of this sort of emphasis on finding the perfect wedding, getting, you know, getting the perfect wedding, the perfect dress um, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's in our culture, I think the shift has so much changed to seeing it as this perfect, to see marriage as this sort of perfect vehicle for happiness, right? Like yeah. we're going to have this big, perfect, beautiful day and it's going to be amazing. And then we're going to have this amazing marriage. And also I think even in getting married later, which I think has a lot of benefits, I do think it sort of adds a little more pressure in terms of, I should be able to find the perfect person for me who we're not going to have these issues. Or we're not going to have to work on it because, you know, I didn't get married until, you know, I, I was 30 or whatever. 
Um, not mm-hmm. I got married before I was 30. <laughs> 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 I've been married for a little bit. Um, so, but I think there's so much pressure on you're going to get married and that's the, that's the finish line. Like that's where the journey ends that people don't think about. Like, no, really that's where the journey starts. I mean, technically it starts before then when you're dating and sort of figuring that out. But, you know, marriage is not a destination. (laughs) Which is one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, to sort of run with Steve's running analogy, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that a lot of times people treat People tackle marriage the way I tackle running. Like, <laughs> I have the You just prep. go out there and... <laughs> no, like, it's all this, like, prep around. And some of the things are valuable. Like, having the right shoes, like, that. it's helpful. I go and yeah. I do my little thing on the treadmill. You know, like, having, like, a cute running outfit is not necessary. But, okay. But I do all this prep and I might learn a few stretches, but not all the ones I need. And I don't do it every time. And then half a mile in when I'm tired and I'm panting and my shin hurts and I can't keep going, I might, me personally, sometimes I just, I stop running. I just walk back home and it's fine. And I think that's sort of what is happening with marriages. There's all this prep around. Some of it's valuable. A lot of it is about sort of, you know, superficial, sort of superfluous things. And then you get in it and that first moment where it's hard, you didn't expect it to be hard. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. people, and I think that to me is one of, is really the value in what you are doing um, is that you are giving people a place to say when it gets hard, ideally before it gets hard, but human nature is that we wait till it gets hard <laughs> before we yeah. to seek help. I mean, ultimately my goal is, so I, I like to think of it as kind of like the matrix, if you've ever seen the matrix, um, where... Uh, Neo, Keanu Reeves' character, meets Morpheus, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. And he's, Lawrence Fishburne's trying to explain to Neo about the Matrix and how um, basically when, so Neo asks Lawrence Fishburne, uh, you know, am I going to be able to dodge bullets? And Lawrence Fishburne tells him, when you finally figure it out, you won't have to dodge bullets. And I feel like that's kind of the same way with marriage and with running as well. Like, you you know, you won't have to push through that side cramp or the shin splints when you get to that point. And and you're right. It is human nature to wait until we break something before we try to fix it. We don't do a lot of uh, prep work, but I would really like it to be if and this is the whole point of Hitched. If you stay on top of it all the time, that's not to say that, you you know, you're not going to run into problems, but, you know, they will be obstacles as opposed to problems and obstacles that you can navigate around um, and you won't get you won't take those shots and your marriage won't take those shots. That's really like where I would like people to get to um, because things can get be very easy Um if, if you if you put in that if you do that stretching beforehand if you do all that work before you have problems so when you have those things that come at you and I know terrible things happen in people's lives um, you know you'll be better equipped to handle those things right I mean I, I really like that I really like the using the matrix analogy you won't have to dodge the bullets because <laughs> I think it gets at something that you know I know from my own personal experience and also my work as a, as a therapist is that a good marriage, a good sort of stable, connected, 
um, passionate marriage is a gift. I, I honestly think it is one of the gifts we get in this life um, because it, it enables us not just to have this amazing relationship with this person, but to also be a base for other things that we want to accomplish and do in our lives because we have this secure, stable base. Um, so I really like that. That matrix yeah, analogy. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, thanks. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to wrap up, but I want to ask you. Um, yeah, you know, I don't think I've ever asked you this, Erica. Like, if you get this question up, but I feel like consistently I get two questions: What is your best okay. marriage advice? And is there a lot of pressure to keep your own marriage happy? Mm. You know, to sort of have the quote unquote perfect marriage when you are in fact advocating for other people's marriages or helping other people have good marriages. So I'm curious. So Steve, those are your two questions, two final wrap up questions. Okay. Uh, I, I think those are actually pretty easy. Um, my best marriage advice, I think I just gave it, which is prioritize your marriage. Um, I think every decision you make becomes very easy. If you just put your marriage first, if I always put my wife first over everything else, pretty much everything I do from that point forward becomes much easier. Um, and so that would be my first piece of advice. And that, and by the way, prioritizing your marriage, I would say also means, um, putting, putting time and effort and, and thought into how you act and respond and going out on date nights and doing all the stuff, um, that, you know, or other tips that people might provide. I think, prioritizing it kind of encompasses that. So maybe it's a little bit of a cheat, but that's what I'm going to stick with. Um, and then in regards to, do I feel pressure? I would say no. Um, one of the things that I, uh, I, I've admitted to is I kind of think of myself at like, I want to live the brand. I want to be hitched. Um, like the guy who represents hitched and, I kind of think of it, and this is going to sound odd, but I kind of think of it the same way that Hugh Hefner represents the Playboy brand. Like you think of Hugh Hefner and you immediately think, oh, that's like he is the Playboy brand. And I kind of feel the same way about myself um, and Hitch. Um, and while that doesn't eliminate the pressure, I suppose, um, I am also I have a sports background and I'm a very competitive person and i um, I am also a bit of a perfectionist when I want to be good at something. And so for me, it's just who I am. So um, the to, to try to be good at marriage is almost like breathing for me. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how else to do it, but to try to be the best husband I can be. Um, so, I mean, I would... If I did something wrong in my marriage, I would lose sleep over that as opposed to tr like stressing about doing the right thing. Okay. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. You're the Hugh Hefner of marriage. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> totally perfect. Well, I just want to thank you again for joining us. Um, you know, I obviously we love everything that you're doing. Um but this is like a really great conversation. I think a lot of really useful things and hopefully gets people thinking a little bit more um, prioritizing marriage, even just as a concept of something that you think about really um, intentionally and not sort of just this finish line that eventually you get to hopefully at the end of dating. Um, so again, thank you to Steve Cooper. You guys, all of our listeners can check out hitchedmag.com. 
can also find him on Twitter at Hitched Media. Um, definitely, it's lots of, and I'm not plugging it just because I may have written a few things for them. It's absolutely <laughs> a really, really great resource. Um, lots of researchers and therapists that I have a lot of respect for um, have great content there. Um, and I know really, you know, enjoy kind of coming back and talking with him and, and posting articles. So uh, hitchmag.com. Thank you again, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Steve. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> we did too. So that was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. It really is. His website like really is a, an amazing resource. Like I just am impressed by the sheer number of different experts that he's brought together, like all over sort of the marriage field. So yeah. It's really awesome. It is. And and it is always sort of the reminder to me that like there is so much to learn and to share and to discuss where marriage is concerned, where relationships are concerned. You know, it seems like, don't you run out of things to talk about, but no. No, not so much. Never do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I got a little woo-woo with my marriage is a gift thing, (laughs) but I do, I really do believe like a a good, stable, connected marriage is, is is a gift, you know, the kind of gift like, yeah, it, it's a gift like a puppy. We've talked about this. I totally agree. It's a gift, but it is a gift like a puppy. It is not a it's not a gift you get and put in your closet and don't have no. to take care of. Like it's a gift you get that you love and adore and have to work every day at. Right. Or else it'll poop on your floor. Yeah. Or die. Or die. Or both. Yeah. And nobody wants that marriage. No. <laughs> Nobody wants the floor pooping marriage. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure people don't. I'm pretty sure that's why we have jobs, in fact. Is that going, this is a shitty marriage. Yeah. <laughs> we do not want that. We want a really good marriage. And and it's okay to have moments. Of course. Um, you know, when he mentioned the part, you know, where um, I guess he was watching The Big Bang Theory. but And I've seen it on other shows. And obviously, I've seen it professionally and personally. The idea that, like, if you're having problems early in your marriage, like it's trouble. It's mm-hmm. a sign that you made a mistake. And I'm, I was thinking, no, it's just a sign that you're two actual human beings mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to like do this thing that, as Steve mentioned, we avoid talking about. Like right. in real concrete terms, like what it really takes to be married and stay married. And yeah. Well, I just had a couple that I met with the other day who said to me, we wish that we had invested in marriage therapy earlier in the relationship before there were any, you know, real problems or deep, deeper problems. Yeah. They wish they had done that on the front end um, and, and spent the money there. So, I mean, you know, real life testimonial from folks saying um, you know, we wish we had worked on this sooner. Yeah. Know, why didn't we do this? Um, because it, it would just make it, not that you're not going to have problems, even if you do invest on the front end, but it makes a, a big difference in terms of, you know, being able to work those out and knowing that your partner is on, is on your team, is on your side, yeah. is really fighting for the marriage the way that you are. Um, you know, I, one of the things I ask couples to think about is, you know, do you think that this person is trying to hurt you? And sort of, you know, expanding that to the bigger con- concept of marriage. Like, do you think this person is really committed to mm-hmm. you, committed to your life together? Um, and if you honestly believe that deep down, then you can, that gives you a base to sort of work, work through yes. and figure things out. Because you are going to have moments where 
the, the initial feeling that comes up isn't, doesn't support that idea. Right. And so, and that's a lot of the, like the work is sort of going like, you're doing something that makes me feel like we're not on the same team, mm-hmm. but I know at my core that we are on the same team. We want the same thing. And how do we move forward, you know, and kind of repair that, um, which kind of flows into my whole, our RLW, read, listen, watch. Um, and so today, like, I'm going to actually, I have a read, listen, and a watch. I'm look at you. Look at me. And it's all like marriage themed because, I mean, how hard is that, right? I'm a marriage <laughs> therapist. <laughs> so, um, so for read, I actually am going to, I always suggest books, but who has time for a whole book? Does that sound terrible? I feel like that, that sounds, sounds like, a little terrible. It sounds a little bit terrible. So I love a whole book, but the reality of my life is that a whole book takes me a very long time to read. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there are actually a couple of articles in The Atlantic that I like, but they had one uh, several months ago called Masters of Love, which just sort of summarizes Gottman's research, which is like decades and decades of research and you know in our field like we know all of you know and there's all these details but it basically summarizes like all the key points and so like if you're thinking like if you, I could just learn like one or two things that just made marriage easier go read that article I will put, put the link to it it's a great article it just kind of sums it up and basically it's like kindness and generosity like if you could do those two things on a regular basis you've got it covered yeah, yeah. Yeah, like you've mastered the whole marriage thing. I know. Being kind helps. Right. I saw a meme recently that was like, uh, it was, it said something, it was on Pinterest. It was like, kindness, that shit doesn't cost anything. Spread it around everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly it. And start at home with your marriage. Um, So in terms of listen, um, if you happen to be kind of a relationship nerd, researchy nerd, like maybe we are, um, there is a blog slash pod and they have a podcast and I like it because, you know, my attention span is short. So, you know, a five minute podcast is perfect, but it's uh, from the science of relationships. Oh. And so they take all these really great, like very detailed, nerdy, social scientist research and break it down in like five minutes into like these things that make sense. And like, why do I care about this research? How does that apply to real life? And they actually explain it. And so I love that. And my last suggestion for Watch is Tell Me You Love Me, which is this old series. I don't know why I'm bringing back like all these old things, but it's an old series that used to be on HBO. I think you can get it on Amazon Prime right now, but it basically follows like three or four couples and the couple's therapist that they each work with it's probably some of the best writing and most accurate depiction of just what it feels like to be in couples therapy mm-hmm. and to start to look at, at the really difficult issues. Like these are the couples who are like, we should have done this sooner. Yeah. Um, and they all have very different um, circumstances, but I just think if you're thinking about that and want to know like how people do that and commit to it and, and ha- normalize some of what you may or may not be experiencing, fabulous. I have not seen or heard about that, oh, which seems impossible. You must watch. But I definitely will be watching that. It is a must um, watch. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. That sounds awesome. Um, all right. So I am going to do this week's therapist problem. And it's funny because I'm going to do a problem that I thought was going to be a problem, but it actually isn't. Um, and there's a point to it, I assure you. Um, but when I was sort of, you know, thinking about becoming a therapist and sort of in grad school before I started seeing clients, 
one of the things that I worried about was, you know, what would it be like to connect with clients who um, had very different sort of views about the world than I did, and in particular, very different sort of political or social views, um, because I, I tend to be pretty passionate about my, my political and social views. Um, and so I was concerned about that coming up in the course of therapy, that, you know, being a point where, you know, am I going to be able to connect with people when they have such a different stance than I did? Um, and then I became a therapist and actually started working with clients and it wasn't a problem at all. And <laughs> the reason that it's not a problem is that, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is that when you come into therapy, um, you know, people come to you so raw and so vulnerable that you sort of can't help, but, you know, connect with them and feel for them and, and be present with them. Um, I never, I never take for granted that someone is coming to me sort of with their, some, some very difficult and painful things. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, they come in, they come in with the, in this state of, I need to sort of figure this out. I need to sort of work on this and I'm looking to you to help me do that. Um, so it's, you know, it's, you know, really easy to like them <laughs> because they kind of come to you that way. Um, and then the other thing is really that stuff just doesn't really come up in therapy. Well, there's always that, which is really nice. <laughs> Thankfully, people only typically ask me about things that I'm actually trained to talk to them about. Yeah. Um, and they don't really ask me about my political views almost ever. So it actually works out quite It does nicely. work out really nicely. <laughs> but I, I like that because I also think it, it translates into our real life because I think it's a nice reminder that no matter how fundamentally different we our political or social or religious views might be, that there is sort of this common humanity among all of us. And I think sometimes we just sort of as a society, as a culture, get caught so caught up in being entrenched in like my camp and we have the right way mm-hmm. that we miss being able to connect on a human level with all these people. And right. um, we're yeah. so focused on our own tribe sometimes that we forget like at our core, we all are know, the same tribe. The same tribe. <laughs> yeah. I totally as as that might be to say it's it's true. <laughs> You're in like a total woo woo, like oh, <laughs> we are we are the world kind of moment. I love it. It's actually it's it's very funny <laughs> and very true. And I you know me, I totally agree with all that stuff. So, all right, so we're wrapping up. Um, I had a lot of fun today. It was awesome. Yeah, as so usual, great people. Always great people, right? It's yeah. always. What is it? Conversations, right? It's the best stuff. Um, so if you want to find out who's coming on next or catch up on old episodes, you can go to estherboykin.com backslash podcast. And of course, conversationsoffthecouch.com uh, backslash podcast. Um, at conversationsoffthecouch.com, you'll also find some of our upcoming events and, and really cool, fun stuff that we got going on. So check it out um as always you can tweet me at esther b mft you can tweet erica at gta therapists um so if you've got questions or suggestions or you know somebody awesome that we should be talking to on the show send them our way we are always excited for new guests and visitors definitely all right thanks so much thanks